Listen, you open up your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel. <laughs> We're still in 1 Samuel. Going verse by verse through 1 Samuel. So I want you to do that, and uh, we're going to be in chapter 12 today. We're going to tackle chapter 12 today. It's a, it's a great chapter. It's a good chapter. It's a chapter that we're going to go back and talk about Samuel a little bit. Uh, Samuel has a message that he wants to say to the people uh, because he, he senses his time is drawing near uh, for him uh, to leave. Uh, also, this is that transfer of power uh, from where Samuel was really kind of leading. He was the spiritual leader of the nation of Israel. And then what we see here is we see the transfer of power to the, the king that the nation of Israel wanted. And so as we talk about this today, um, I just want you to just kind of draw a circle around yourself. Because not only are we going to talk about Samuel and what he talks about the nation of Israel we're going to talk about each one of us in here today. Amen? And it's a good thing. I try to, I try to think about um, you know, where we left off was when Saul, remember, he defeated the Ammonites, right? He defeated them. Uh, uh, and Saul, which uh, to our surprise, because we know kind of like how, if you know the story of Saul, you know how he ends. It's not in a good light. Uh, but Saul... Uh, where the people want to bring glory to Saul, uh, he ends up bringing glory and telling and pointing them to, to the Lord, to Jesus, to God, Jehovah. He points to heavenward for the people to give all praise. And we talked about credit last week, do we not? Who gets all the credit? Every time. All the credit goes to Jesus, our God, our Lord, Right? And so, uh, so, and we should always make sure that we have credit in there. In fact, we read in 1 Samuel chapter 11, 14 and 15. I know that's not on the slide, but, but as you're at there, 12, just flip back a page. In verse 14, after they defeated and everything, it says in verse 14, Then Samuel said to the people, Come and let us go to Gilgal. Now, Gilgal was kind of like the base camp for Israelites. Gilgal. It says, Renew the kingdom here. He says, verse 15 says, So all the people went to Gilgal. And there they made Saul king before the Lord at Gilgal. There they also offered sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord. And there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. How many of you saw the coronation of the king in England, right? And you see all that, all the hoopla for that, right? And this is kind of like what, this is a coronation of him, but it's, uh, but it's a coronation of Saul. And it's a coronation where Samuel has anointed Saul. Because God told him to anoint him to be the king. And so Samuel's obedient to anoint him and to establish him as the first king of the nation of Israel. He never had a king before. They only needed one king, and it was who? King Jesus, right? That's the only king they really need. And, uh, but the people were stubborn and stiff-necked, and they insisted on being just like the other nations and having a king. And so God gave them a king, allowed them to have a king. It wasn't God's choice of king. He just did what the people wanted. We're going to see that as we go in here this morning. So this week our focus is back on Samuel momentarily as he presents the final song in preparation to pass the baton of leadership over to Saul, the first new king of Israel. This is a brand new era in the life of the nation of Israel. Now I must remind you that this wasn't God's choice. It was the people's desire. 
They rebelled against God's desire. And listen, and God gave them what they wanted. <laughs> Got to be careful what you pray for, right? It's important to see how a true person of integrity leads and to see God moving in the life of his people whom he promised years ago, beginning with Abraham. Amen? Abraham was established. God established that he would be a, a, that they would be a people, a, a, a great people. You couldn't even count. Uh, they'd be so numerous of the numbers of the sands on the seashore. They would be a great nation, right? So as we go into 1 Samuel chapter 12, look at verse 1. And let's get going here this morning. It says, Then Samuel said to all Israel, He said, Behold, I have listened to your voice in all that you said to me, and I have appointed a king over you. The official coronation of King Saul is here. This is also Samuel's final speech before he disappears, right? And Saul is installed as a new king. Sad to think Israel's choice was a king over God, but God would still bless his people if they would just what? Obey. They would just obey. Just obey. Saul is king and God would give him every, every opportunity. Saul would give, be given every opportunity by God to be a great king. Look at verse 2. Now here is the king walking before you. He says, but I am old and gray, and behold, my sons are with you. It's funny he mentions his sons. And I have walked before you from my youth even to this day. If you remember Samuel, right, he was brought up as a child, and he was handed over to the priest Eli, right, in the tabernacle, right? And so, and, so, and so here he was with Eli, uh, and he was handed over by his mother Hannah, who promised him to the Lord if she could have a child. We talked about that on Mother's Day. So Samuel was brought up in the tabernacle. He grew up in the public's eye, and that is significant, as we will see. He stayed true to the Lord. Think about that. He's in the public view, yet he stays true to the Lord, living his entire life before the people. Can you imagine living like that and being scrutinized every single day by the people? It happens. Sometimes it happens to us. Everybody gets scrutinized in some form or fashion by somebody, right? Does it feel good to be scrutinized? Not typically, if you know it, right? But listen, never forget, people are always watching. They're always watching who you are or whose you are, right? They're looking. They're watching. Are you really a Christ follower or are you not a Christ follower? Do you really follow the commands of the Lord or do you not follow the commands of the Lord? They're always, listen, they're always looking at you. Listen, and, and it's okay. It's all right. But we want to be a good witness, amen? amen. We'll find out that Samuel here was a great witness. Of the Lord God. We know that he tried to be a good father to his kids. He tried to put them into position, but God would not have him. That was sad. His boys were not acceptable to the Lord. So let's hear what Samuel has to say as he goes through Israel's history. He's going to go through Israel's history here. Look at verse 3. He says, Here I am. Bear witness against me. So he's, he wants to be tested by, he wants to put himself before uh, the Israelites that he would be tested before the Lord and his anointed, which is the king. Who's, listen, whose ox have I taken? He asked, whose ox have I taken? Look at all the halves in this verse. A lot of halves in this verse. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? Uh, whom have I oppressed? Or from whom, 
whose hand have I taken a bribe to blind my eyes with it? I will restore it to you, he says. So here's a man who has been in the public's limelight ever since he was a little kid. Everyone knows who he is and what he has done. They see what he has asked the Jews to do. He asked Israel to bear witness against him. Bear witness. What have I done wrong? Anything I've done wrong, come forward. Let me know so I can pay you back. Remember, he is in fact the last judge of Israel before the monarchy begins here with Saul. He lived his life honoring his God. He could have become rich but did not yield to the temptation like Eli's sons did. Remember that? terrible right Samuel is just one of the great leaders a man of God we have the privilege of knowing through God's holy word but as a father he was a failure many men in public's eye are that way many a leader even in the Christian community have had children to fail them we've seen it this is why it's important for us to understand listen that ultimately everyone is personally responsible to God for him, himself or herself, really. Amen. We don't get in on anybody's coattails to heaven. We don't get into the good graces of Jesus on anybody's coattails. We ought to come to the cross. Every single person must come to the cross. Every single one. An encounter with the cross, an encounter with the death and the burial and the resurrection of our Savior, the only Savior. The way, the truth, the life. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way. He says, I am the truth. He says, I am the life. He says, no man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus said that out of his own lips. The Son of the living God. And I love it. Our kids don't make it to heaven without surrendering to Jesus. Think about that. Our grandkids don't make it to heaven without the individual personal relationship and walk with Jesus. Our kids need to be saved. Our grandkids need to be saved. Every person, in the sound of my voice, needs to have Jesus as their Savior. I pray that you do this morning. It doesn't matter how much we make our kids go to church or not either. It doesn't. But I can tell you this this morning. You let your kids stay home, the less kids are exposed to the Word of God, we fail. The kids need to hear the living Word of God. We have God-given responsibility and a mandate to actively discipling our children. We must share the living Word of God with our children. And I say, if your kids are not here and they're at home, are you sharing the Word of God with them throughout the week? You may know the answer about that. Because if you're sharing the Word of God with them, your kids will be here. God wants us to be in His house. We are a community. The body of Christ is a community of believers that comes together. We're all gifted individually with different spiritual gifts. Sister Barbara has a different gift than I have. Brother Lord has a different gift than I have. We all have different gifts. Individually, separately, when we're at home and we're never together with the body, listen, the gift, the gift works better when we're together than when we're separate. It doesn't mean it doesn't work with everyone. God doesn't use us separately. He does use us. He uses us to reach people. He uses us in our gift. And I encourage you, if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, find out what it is. If 
Sometimes other people can tell you what your gift is if they're aware of spiritual gifts. But God will reveal it to you. The gifts of God are a, a, a wonderful, wonderful thing. We need to teach our children. They need to be part of the family of God. Listen, the more that we, that, that, they, that their kids are not exposed to the Word of God because you don't want to fight with them to come to church, the less likely it will be for them to ever get saved. Because they're not hearing the Word, right? Think about this. They must be prayed for and exposed to the teaching of God's powerful, supernatural Word. Folks, this has to happen. Why? Why do we know it? Because faith comes by what, church? Hearing what? The Word of God. Amen. God has to grab their heart and God will change their lives, but not if they never hear or see the Word live before them. That is a must, a must, a must. They've got to see the Word live before them. None of, us, none of us in here have got saved without realizing we are first sinners. We've got to come to grips that we are sinners and that we need a Savior. We have broken all of God's law. The Bible says if you've broken one of the Ten Commandments, He says you've broken them all. And we've all lied in this room. Amen? Anybody told a lie? Raise your hand. If you don't raise your hand, you're lying right now. All right? Let's just face it, right? The reality of it is that. We've all told a lie. We've broken one command. We've broken them all. We're sinners. Doomed for a sinner's hell. To be separated eternally from Jesus. And we don't want that for anybody. Man, Jesus loved you too much to let you go there. That's why he came to earth and died on a cross and shed his blood for you to have everlasting life. Trust him as your Savior today if you don't know him. Let him come into your heart. Let him rearrange your life. Let him redecorate your life from the inside out. But we have to be sinners first before we could know the Savior Jesus and why he came. Notice the word have was mentioned several times, being mentioned so many times in that verse, right? And we just read. Samuel is saying that if he had done any of those things, that he would give back to the people and make it right. So I have a question for you. Do you have any outstanding things that belongs to others that you have not made it right with them? I heard somebody saying last week that they were reached out to somebody who they have dismissed. Or I should say they probably dismissed them. And they got a hold of them to try to make it right. They hadn't received any kind of a response back, and they may never. But here's the thing is, it's important for you and I to do the right thing. To make it right. To make things right with people. And I want to encourage you, if you ain't made right, things right with people, you got some, and listen, you already know, God's already speaking in your heart who it is. The Lord has a way of doing that. It's called the Holy Spirit. If you know the Lord, right? Somebody could have come forward and declared that Samuel owed them something. But listen, it's pretty amazing for his whole life. Living in the public eye, nobody came to him and said anything. Isn't that amazing? I mean, think about all of us. Who could come forward and say something about you? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I hear all those laughs out there. Another aspect here is that Israel isn't what Israel isn't thinking about. And quite honestly, we don't 
think about it either a lot of times this morning. Here Samuel is serving all of his life just like his mama Hannah promised the Lord. Also Samuel having the power of God never took anything for himself. His whole life he can't be accused of taking anything. That means all he did was what? Give. He gave. He gave, he gave, he gave, he gave, he gave. He was a servant, right? He served God and he served the people. Now we're going to see, and I already talked about the demands of the king, because it's going to cost you dearly to have a king. Remember we talked about that? It's going to cost you your what? Your sons. It's going to cost you your daughters. It's going to cost you your monies, your property, your food, everything. It's going to cost taxes upon taxes upon taxes upon taxes. It's going to cost. Think about that. You see, a government will always do what? They will always take. They will always take. They will always take. I'm not trying to be political here, but listen. This is common sense here. But you can logically and biblically see that the bigger the government is, the more that they will take from you. You see, God wasn't enough for them. This is crazy, right? A God who gives, 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 and never takes What an amazing philosophy that these people had. God is a giver, not a taker. He gives everything to us. God's way is always perfect. Why do we ever think we know better? It's called the flesh. It's called being fallen. It's called being depraved. It's called being lost. Why do we think we know better? We don't. Look at how the people respond, verse 4. They said, you have not defrauded us or oppressed us or taken anything from any man's hand. Isn't that interesting? All his life, he's old age. You see, they verified that Samuel was in fact a righteous man. How awesome is that? What a testimony. Samuel's life could stand public scrutiny and pass inspection. What a legacy to leave behind. It could be put under a microscope for public opinion. Amen? And the people found nothing wrong on Samuel. Nothing. Look at verse 5. Samuel said, he said, he said to them, the Lord is witness against you. So now he turns it around back to them. The Lord is witness against you and his anointed is witness this day. Talking about Saul, that you have found nothing in my hand. And what did they say? He, God, is a witness. He is a witness. Samuel, we see here, is a good and faithful witness for the Lord. And now Samuel will go down in history of the nation of Israel as a good man of God. History. And be remembered to Israel. Now, first six gets into the history of Israel. It says, then Samuel said to the people, it is the Lord who appointed, listen here, I go through the history, Moses and Aaron. And who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. So now take your stand that I may plead with you before the Lord. Concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord which he did for you. And your fathers. When Jacob. When Jacob took the 75 right. He went to Egypt. During the famine right. And your fathers cried out to the Lord. After they had been there some time. There's two million people. They're crying out to the Lord later because what's happening and they're being persecuted and their babies are being thrown in the Nile River. But then God raises up a man named who? Moses. And brings him on the scene to be the deliverer of the people out of Egypt. Actually, God is the deliverer. 
Moses is the tool, right? How awesome is that, right? God has a plan. He said, brought your fathers out of Egypt and settled them in this place where they're at, right? Look at verse 9. But they forgot the Lord, their God. Here they are in good and plenty. America, good and plenty. And we forget the Lord. We forget the God. We forget how God established us. How God made us a great nation. And Israel did the same thing because why? People are the same. We're all born lost and depraved. And we need a Savior. And when we get to Savior, we need to obey Him and walk in His fellowship. But look here, he says, And He sold them into the hand of Sisera, captain of the army of Hazor, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of King Moab. And they fought against them. They cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and have served the Baals and the Asherah, the pagan deities, right? They were serving pagan deities. This is... This is, this is in, the, in, in the book of Judges, right? This is why Judges is even there. It's the train wreck in the Bible. And so here they are. They have no king. They have no leader. All they have is these judges to help deliver them. God preserves his people. Past judges. In fact, Samuel is the last judge. But now deliver us from the hands of our enemies, and we will serve you. Here they're crying out again. And then the Lord sent Jeroboam, Baal, that's Gideon. And Badan and Jephthah and Samuel and delivered you from the hands of your enemies all around so that you lived in security. See the mercy of God, the grace of God. Here we see Samuel giving a rundown on the history of Israel. Many great men of God have done the same thing in Scripture. Moses gave history, right? Joshua, Gideon, now Samuel used it. In fact, in the New Testament, who gave history, run out of history in the New Testament? Brother Stephen. Remember Stephen? Who was stoned to death. What did he do before he was stoned? He gave an account, all the history of the nation of Israel to the Pharisees. It made him livid. It made him mad. And they killed him. So we know that. Even Peter talked about some of that. So when we look at that, Samuel is reminding Israel of the mercy of God. That's why he's doing this. He's reminding Israel of the mercy of God and his faithfulness to them. His faithfulness is forever. God is a faithful God. When the Israelites fell away from their God and they became servants, they cried out to God, Help! Help us, God! We need help! And He graciously heard them and sent them a deliverer to rescue them from the bonds of their oppressors in Egypt. I think about Hill's Church before it was Hill's Church. We're going to celebrate next week a little bit. Back when it was heritage here. And you know some what the enemy seems like means for bad or to try to destroy. Listen, God means for good. It's really amazing. Because we know that at Heritage there was faithful people here. We knew they had a pastor who was dying of cancer. We knew that he dwindled down to the point where he was having difficulty preaching. The congregation dwindled down too. And we know that about 16 or so people walked across the street because Cornerstone was having a service over there with about 30 people or so. And they took the deed to this property and gave it in the hands of Cornerstone if they would just merge and become one. First off, I think about heritage, not wanting to see their doors closed, and I think, wow, what a blessing that is. What a blessing that was. 
that God spoke to their hearts enough to do that. And so they go across, and so they come on the scene here. Daryl Renault, who is the pastor at Cornerstone now, listen, he was over here for a time. And got it started, and Brother David Smith came for about a year. In 2017, he was here. And that whole year, 2017, he was hollering at me in North Carolina to come to Florida. <laughs> when I was in student ministry, working with teenagers. I said, leave me alone, man. My grandkids are in my youth ministry. Why do I want to leave them? But then God got a hold of my heart. Totally changed me. See, God sees where we're all at. God knows what he's doing. And he does it well. Amen. So we need to walk in obedience to the Lord. Let the God use us. So here we are. We're going to celebrate three years. Actually, we had separated from Cornerstone back in 2020, right in the middle of COVID. A lot of churches are closing down, but hey, we're separating from another church, becoming our own entity. And I praise the Lord for that. And God has been, ever since, is doing the work here. He's doing the work. I got thinking about it because Brother Warden was reminding me the other day about how we started with a, a few folks and where we're at today. Think about this, three years ago, right in the middle of, it, of that COVID, we became our own church. God, he did the same for them in Mizpah earlier. Do you remember that? 1 Samuel seven twelve. he said, Then Samuel took a stone, and he set it between Mizpah and Shin, and named it what? Ebenezer, saying, Thus, thus far the Lord has helped us. Hill's church is here only because God has helped us. God has been instrumental in every single thing that's going on. God is faithful. We need to be faithful to Him. We need to be faithful in everything that we do. Do you ever remember how God has helped you in your past? How He seems to always be there to deliver you from trouble? Maybe trouble you created for yourself, or maybe trouble others created for you. I don't know which. But God is faithful, and God is merciful to us daily. We have no clue what God has gotten us out of each day. Think about that. We do not forget. Now he moves on to their present state. And Samuel says in verse 12, look at verse 12. He said, when you saw that Nahash, the king of the sons of Ammon, came against you. Listen, remember that he wanted to come and gouge their right eye out, right? Remember that? You said to me, no, but a king shall reign over us. Although the Lord your God was your king. Look at verse 13. Now therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen, whom you have asked for. And behold, the Lord has set a king over you. Samuel is making it quite clear here that Saul was the people's choice for a king. You know, many people even today would say that the voice of the majority is God's voice. You ever heard that? The voice of the majority, we think, because it's the majority, it's the right voice. Many times, though, in fact, generally, the minority are usually closer to determining the will of God. The people wanted Saul, but God was the one who chose David. As we'll find out later on, God chose David. What a difference when God makes the choice. Look at verse 14. If you will fear the Lord and serve Him and listen to His voice and not rebel against the command of the Lord, listen, then both you and also the King who reigns over you 
will follow the Lord your God. Just because Saul is the people's choice, God here will not reject him. In fact, God is going to give Saul much opportunity. Verse 15, he says, If you will not listen to the voice of the Lord, but if you rebel against the command of the Lord, just remember that for later, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. Samuel doesn't play here. He doesn't mix words. He tells them just like it is. If the people will serve God, he will bless them. If they do not serve him, judgment is going to befall them. If they do not serve him, judgment will come. That goes for us too. Don't you think God isn't watching you, watching your little old life right now? God sees. He watches every move you make. Every idle word you speak, God knows. In fact, He knows even when you're thinking right this very moment. He knows exactly what you're thinking right now. I could be uncomfortable, amen? That's all right. If it's uncomfortable, praise the Lord. Do something about it. God doesn't convict us for no reason. He speaks to our heart because He wants us to change. He wants us to humble ourselves before an almighty God who knows everything about us inside and out. We can't hide a blessed thing from him. Look at verse 16. Even now, take your stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not the wheat harvest today? Now he's going to show them something right here. He's going to really show them something right here. He says, I will call to the Lord that he may send thunder and rain. And then you will know and see that your wickedness is great which you have done in the sight of the Lord by asking for yourselves a king. So in verse 18 says, So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent what? Thunder and rain that day. <coughs> and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. So think about this. You see, Elijah wasn't the first man who could preach up a storm. <laughs> preach up a storm right Samuel brings in a thunderstorm amen but Samuel did it before Elijah this is God's seal for Samuel's life think about that this is God's seal for Samuel's life the thunder and the rain that was like God's great amen Samuel right So my question is to you, what is God's seal upon your life this morning? What is God's seal upon your life this morning? Anybody have any idea? What is God's seal upon your life this morning? <laughs> Thank you, Brother Barry. Amen. It's the Holy Spirit of God. Third person of the Trinity. Applied to you and to I, when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in and takes residence. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, look at this. It says, in Him, in Christ, it says, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, have also believed. You were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory, right? You're sealed. 
And to be sealed is a message of safety, security, in God's love. He seals you with His Spirit. He seals you to give you safety and security. Listen, God's love and His power. It's in you, Deuteronomy's power. God sends the Holy Spirit as a preserving seal to lock in your faith as an authenticating seal that validates, listen, it validates our sonship or daughtership, right? As And as a protecting seal to keep the destructive forces out when we submit to Him. The point is that God wants all of us to feel what? Secure. Do you not want to feel secure? Do you want to feel, feel safe? Do you want to feel His love? you want to feel His power? The Spirit of God does that for you and for me. Look at verse 19. Then all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, so that we may not die, for we have added to all our sins this evil by asking for ourselves a king. You see, it was sin for these people to ask for a king. They were rejecting God by wanting a king to rule over them like the other nations. Samuel said to the people in verse 20, Do not fear. You have committed all this evil, yet do not turn aside. Even though they've committed all this evil, he is saying, Do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Even though they committed this evil, he's he's telling them, Serve the Lord with all your heart. Even though you did this, turn aside from it. Turn around from it. and And do not turn around from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. I want you to hear me this morning. This doesn't matter who you are, saved or lost. Hear me. Listen, do not allow past sins and mistakes to hinder your life. If you allow past sins to hinder your life, there's something amiss. Regardless of who you are, listen, or what you have done, listen, if you will turn to the Lord for salvation and forgiveness, repent, turn from your sin, change, have a change of mind with a change of heart, God will accept, listen, and richly bless you. He will bless you. It doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. Nothing, nothing will ever come against you. It means He will see you through no matter what you face in your life. And He will give you assurance and peace and safety and security to know that God is in you, with you, and upon you. And He never forsakes you. He never leaves you abandoned. Ever. God is always in you and with you and upon you. I love it. So listen. Don't let the past destroy the future and ruin the present for you. Don't do it. Get going for God today. Don't hesitate. His blood is perfect to remove all of our sins, past, present, and future. Amen? You must not turn aside, for then you will go after, listen, futile, vain things which cannot profit or deliver because they are futile. We are to hold on to the Lord alone, for His grace is sufficient. His Word is sufficient for all things. We must hold on to the Lord in His Word. This Bible does not need defending. This Bible does not need defending. It needs explaining and proclaiming. We need to defend. Listen, we don't need to defend the Bible. We need to explain it and proclaim it. Verse 22, For the Lord will not abandon His people on account of His great name, because the Lord has been pleased to make you a people for himself. 
I think about all the things that Israel did, all the sin they committed, all the junk that they did, and look what God did. He would have mercy, and He would forgive them and forgive them and forgive them. And they would do right for a while, and then they'd go on this roller coaster. They were doing right, they fall down. Do right, fall down. <laughs> I know, Sister Pat, me too. Listen, verse 22 is an awesome verse. Have you taken the name of the Lord for your own this morning? Have you taken the name of the Lord for your own? Is Jesus your Savior this morning? Are you truly resting in Jesus? He will not forsake you ever. He will not leave you ever. Hebrews 13.5 in the New Testament says, Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For He Himself has said, I will never desert you. This is Jesus. Nor will I ever forsake you. Ever. Folks, our God is a wonderful God, and it has pleased Him to make us His people. Amen? So why did God choose the nation of Israel? Why did God choose the nation of Israel? We must look to God for this answer. Never to the people for the answer. Never. Why? Because God is always enough. God is enough. If God says it, that sells it. Right, Bill Martin? If God said it, it settles it. It's done deal. Whether you believe it or not, He says it. Listen, He could have passed us all by, right? He could have passed all of us by, amen? But He did not do that. We must rejoice in the joy of our salvation. What a message from Samuel this morning. Given to the Israelites and to each of us this morning. Are we not glad that we are the Lord's on the Lord's side, amen? He is our Lord and He is our friend. He is your Savior this morning, and He is for you, and He is not against you. He wants you. He wants to save us to the uttermost. Amen? Amen. To the uttermost. Verse 23, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord. Listen to this. Brother Ferry will appreciate this. By ceasing to pray for you. But I will instruct you in the good and right way. Tell me prayer is not important. Prayer is so important in ministry. I have several people who pray for Denise and I daily. Some of you. I remember David Calliger. He took prayer seriously. Daily he prayed for so many of us in this room right now. For this whole church. And he prayed for hours and hours and hours every day. Whether he was in the nursing home or in his own home. He would pray. He had a scrolling list that was like miles long. I'm like, Brother David, how do you ever get through the list? He says, I just start praying and... I'm here for probably six, seven hours throughout the day praying. Praying. What a blessing. What a warrior. Amen, Sister Pat. He prayed for somebody. So who's praying in this house today? We must pray for one another. We must protect our fellowship. The enemy hates everything you and I try to do here. He hates everything we try to do. And he's going to destroy it some way. He's going to try to destroy it. He's not going to destroy it, but he's going to try to destroy it. He's going to try to throw a wedge in every single way he can in our fellowship so that we get our eyes off of God and get our eyes on the issues around us. Keep our eyes on the prize. That's what Paul said. What's the prize? King Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. I keep my eyes on the prize and quit looking around at people and what's going on. Keep your eyes on the prize. Listen, you got to answer to Jesus. We all have to answer to Jesus. We must pray like there's no tomorrow. Amen? It's as natural as breathing. Right, Brother Feria? 
Samuel said it was a sin against the Lord to cease praying. Can you say the same thing in your own life today? Are you caught up in that sin? We all have that responsibility daily. Listen, I'm preaching to me too, in case you're wondering. Amen? We must pray for everything. We must pray for family, friends, church, community, enemies, for whatever. We must pray, pray, pray. And pray some more. Especially today in this age we live in, right? We need to pray without ceasing, is what the Word of God says. We need to walk around an attitude of prayer. May we never sin against the Lord because we cease to pray for one another. We pray for Phyllis. We pray for Carolyn. We pray for people. We pray for our neighbors. I pray for you, your guests that are here. On your little paper that you fill out to turn in, I don't even know if I said that, but if you're here as a guest and you fill it out, man, there's a prayer request spot on there. We pray for you. Verse 24, 25, we'll finish here. Only fear the Lord and serve Him. That's all we need to do is fear the Lord, a reverent fear. Right? It's a reverent fear. Fear the Lord and serve Him. In truth, what's the truth? God's Word. With all what? Your heart. Listen to what he's saying here. It's Old Testament too. For consider what great things He has done for you. Man, you just went down a list in your brain. But if you still do, still do wickedly, both you and your king will be swept away. You hear that? There's a consequence to our sin. I pray that we would be so enthused for the things of God. Are you happy this morning? Are you really happy this morning? We must be the most joyous people on the planet. Amen? Are you joyous this morning? Are you happy in Jesus? I pray that you are. He has done so much for each of us. Yesterday, today, and all our tomorrows are all in front of us. Praise the Lord. Listen, the alternative does not fare well for anyone who refuses to know Christ as the Lord and His appearing when He comes back for us. And He's coming back soon. It's called the rapture. He's going to call us out of here. Remember, heaven is a prepared place for who? Prepared people. How do you get prepared? By trusting Jesus as your Savior. He came on that cross to die just for you. You know him this morning? Listen, it's going to be far worse for people who don't make it to heaven than I can even, I don't even want to think about it. A lot of times we, we, we all, the Bible talks about it being fire and hell and brimstone and all that stuff, right? I, but it also talks about outer darkness. I think it's going to be outer aloneness. Some of you that are widows know what it feels like to be alone. And it can be very lonely. Imagine being in outer darkness forever. You can't see nothing. You're by yourself. God doesn't send you there. He never sends you there. You go there because you don't trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord. God has made a provision for us to go to heaven to be with Him. And it's through the blood sacrifice of Jesus who proved Himself to be the Son of the living God. Amen. Not only did he die, he was raised from the dead. He's God in the flesh. I trust that you know Jesus, your Savior, this morning. Amen. Let's bow our heads and let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for our time together this morning. We thank you for all that you do, Father. Lord, we pray, God, that you do a perfect work in and through our life. I thank you for 
those that may be here at the altar right now, I pray you just touch my brother. Encourage him this morning to know, God, that you are a faithful God. Lord, we just need to do that next right thing. Whatever, God, you lead us to do, we must do it. We must test our spirit, the spirits, too. We must test to make sure we're hearing from you and not from the old devil or somebody else. But, Lord, the Word of God validates that it's coming from God. That's why we need to know the Word of God, so we can be validated. We can validate our own mind, conscience, because, God, your Word will show us what we need to know. I pray if there's anyone in the sound of my voice that's never trusted you as Savior, I pray, Lord Jesus, before that last heartbeat stops, God, that they would come to know Christ Jesus as Savior. Lord, it's not about beating people up to get them saved. It's not that at all. Jesus, you're a loving God who loves us so much, Lord, that you don't want to leave us where we're at. But yet you came, Lord, willingly. Lord, you came to earth looking for us. What a difference. Lord, we didn't come to you. Religion is man's attempt to get to God. It's climbing that ladder thinking I can get to God. And messing up and falling off and thinking i got to start over. No, it's totally reversed. Jesus, you came to earth to get us and to draw us to yourself. Lord, you drew me to yourself. I had to surrender my will to you. Jesus, you came into my life and you rescued me from my sinfulness. You wiped it clean 2,000 years ago. That's why Paul could say, I am crucified with Christ. He's speaking that after the cross had already happened, looking back to the cross. He says, I, Lord, I am crucified with Christ. It's not I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And he's looking back to the cross as Jesus took all of our sin in the past. All of our sin is future sin to the cross. And he removed it all. Put it on his body. He paid for it all. He paid a debt we couldn't pay. He said so much so, he said, it is finished. Tell us, that means, that means paid in full. He has paid our sin debt in full. That's why he said that. Strange thing to say on the cross. A dying man. Paid in full. I thank you, Lord, for your blood that was shed for me. Thank you, Lord, for paying my sin debt in full. I pray, God, that today somebody here that needs their sin debt paid in full. The Bible tells us that by grace through faith are we saved. Not by works of righteousness that we do. We're saved by grace, unmerited favor, undeserved favor, by the faith of God that God gives us to trust you, Jesus, to save us from our sin. Some of you might be sitting here and say, come into my heart, Jesus. I need this salvation. Just ask him freely. He'll come in. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I know it. And I need a Savior. I need you, Jesus, to come into my heart and save me from me. Come into my heart change my life. Lord, I trust you today as my Savior and Lord this very moment. I thank you, Lord, for those maybe who just prayed it, a simple little prayer, and just meant it with all their heart. I can't pray a prayer to save anybody. But we have to all come to him alone (laughs) and say, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I give it all.